0: Hello. Good morning. How are you, my dear?
1: I'm doing great. You know what? I'm going to violate what I told you about 30 minutes ago. So Dr. I and I, Dr. Joe, have conversations all the time about a lot of things. And so she knows how I've spent my last 24 hours. And I had told her just 30 minutes ago, I was not going to share that with our audience. But that's contrary to how we do things on the window, right, Dr. I? We,
0: we want to be transparent. That's correct.
1: And we want to talk to our audience about what we've learned about our lives so that hopefully it can help their lives. So as we speak, and I'm so sorry I'm not in studio because we have two special guests in studio. One of them I wanted to extend a special thank you to, which I'll do in just a moment. But as we speak, I'm in the process of waiting for a discharge for, for some overnight medical tests. I had some signs and symptoms I had chosen to ignore for mm, at least a couple of days. And finally, I was encouraged, to say the least, yesterday to get those checked out. And it ended up resulting in an overnight stay where a lot of tests were run. I didn't get much sleep because of that. This morning, we ruled out anything serious and we'll continue the testing process. But what they see so far can be handled fairly easily. So I would say to our audience, and Dr. I am sure you would agree, even while you're listening to us today, please multitask. Pull out your calendar, pull out your, your phone directory, make those appointments. Amen. If you've been overlooking a chest a checkup, if there are some symptoms that you've just been putting aside because you're too busy, you can handle it, don't do that. I am blessed. To be talking to everyone today i'm blessed that i didn't wait longer to see what was going on now so welcome to the window everybody
0: thank you and that is good advice for all of us sometimes we don't want to go to the doctor we don't want to go to the dentist because we don't want to hear the news that we've got a problem and we either don't want to spend the money or we don't want to venture into that unknown territory inside our bodies And um, I have a dental appointment next week because whenever I eat something extremely sweet, it hurts one side of my face. Now, I know I'm not supposed to be eating candy. I get that. (laughs) But it really hurts. So I'm going to go ask the dentist if I have to give up my um, my treats. So but I'm glad you're here. We have some very distinguished gentlemen here, and I'm going to let you talk about the first one, and it's it's uh, all in your lap now, Sister Joanna. Well, well, I
1: am, and so I would love to be in studio de- today and look Clifton Spinner in the eye. I'll introduce him more formally in just a moment, but he's my hero, because today we're going to talk about safety. It's a great time to do it, because as we speak, we're headed into the holiday season, which has some special safety risks, but... In our environment today our theme for today is actually is anything safe and we have reasons to ask that question now so several years ago right around this time during the holiday season my family and I were attempting to enjoy the holidays and we heard a noise and we went into another room just in time to see one broad daylight breaking into our home he had ripped out the screen he had broken the window he was reaching in to unlatch the window and I'll just say for now that um, based on what happened next, we're pretty sure he won't be back again. And we're pretty sure based on the precautions that we've taken since then that we're not going to have to deal with that issue anymore. But shortly after that, I had someone unknown who started texting me saying that they had met me and I didn't recognize the number. I assured them that they were mistaken. And then their next few texts had my name spelled correctly. And so I thought enough is enough. And so I ran across the street at my day job. Actually, I sent an email first about cybersecurity as well. But I sent a message to Clifton Spinner, who is Executive Director of Safety and Security Services at Franklin University in Columbus, Ohio. And I told him what was going on with me, and I said, Cliff, can you help me figure out how to stay safe even in my home? And so, Cliff Spinner, thank you for joining us today on The Window.
2: Thank you very much, Dr. Williamson.
1: Cliff has a, a very distinguished career in law enforcement, so we're in good hands today. Cliff has about 30 years in law enforcement. He was with the Ohio State Highway Patrol for much of that time before he went to Franklin University. He has a master's in criminal justice with an emphasis in public administration. He also teaches what he does at Ohio University. He formerly taught in the criminal Justice and law enforcement program. And he has a whole laundry list of awards and honors, not only in law enforcement, but just giving back to the community that's so important to our environment of safety. So we're going to talk to Cliff for a while, and then we have a guest to talk about cybersecurity. But Cliff, in all aspects of our lives, there are security issues. So I'm just going to go one step at a time throughout what we do on a day to day basis. And I'm going to start with in the home, since that's What made me come to you in the first place? So, talk to us, if you will, about what it is we should be thinking about as it relates to safety in our home.
2: Well, thank you very much for that introduction. I appreciate it, and thank you for the uh, opportunity to come out and speak to your audience. Um, In your home, when we look at our homes, we, we, you know, if you can't be safe and secure in your home, um, you know, we have. Big big issues. Uh, everyone looks at their home as their castle. It's their 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 safe place, and it's the place that we spend the majority of our time. So, the home is probably a lot easier to secure and feel safe in than out in the public, so to speak. So, you know, one of the things that I always tell people with the home is you have to utilize technology. You have to utilize uh, technology and your neighbors. You have to utilize. Um, you know, their eyes, their ears, people have to look out for one another. But with, with the home, it can be secured through a lot of the technology that is out there, primarily, um, surveillance cameras, alarm systems, notification systems. So that's one of the things that I would suggest to the audience in terms of the home, get with a security professional or a security company, someone to come out and do, um, analysis and assessment of your home and then give you recommendations on what you can do
1: to fortify the home or to make it safer so I will ask you a question that I've asked myself and I know others are asking what about guns what do you what do you feel about protecting ourselves in that way well
2: I've been in law enforcement for a long time as you mentioned and uh, so I personally Yes, I I do have weapons and and, uh, I keep weapons, um, but that also comes with a tremendous amount of training and experience. And so what I say about weapons is it's primarily up to the individual. You know, I don't think that everyone should have a weapon. Um, In many cases, the weapon that you have could be used against you. So I think that it's important to know the individual. It's important for that person to know themselves. Some people just simply are not Not that they they just feel completely uncomfortable around guns. They don't want guns anywhere near them. So it really depends on the individual. Um, If you are one that's thinking about it, I highly encourage you to go through training and go through more than the required training for your concealed carry handgun license. Uh, So training is critical when it comes to handguns if you're thinking
1: about that. So one reason that I know I'm reluctant to think about handguns in the home is because they're not just handguns, but all the different types of of ammunition and and artillery you can have in your home. And that's one of the considerations I had to really reflect on, given my situation. We hear so much about shootings in general. And I'll just use Columbus, Ohio as an example, although we know we have listeners from all over the country. Our crime rate has skyrocketed, much of it because of shootings. What's going on with that?
2: That's a great question. And uh, everyone has been seeing this. It's been in the news um, all over the country. Um, but particularly, let's, let's talk about our area, Columbus or the state of Ohio. Um, you know, the federal government says that um, violent crime is up over 30% since 2019. Um, and, you know, we're continuing to see record numbers of homicides through, throughout the country, not just here in Columbus, but throughout the country. One of the things that has contributed to that, I think, is the increase in gun sales. Uh, gun sales have, gun ownership, gun sales has, has triple folded in terms of the purchases. Um, Handgun carry concealed permits, um, concealed carry permits, those permits have increased almost almost fold as well. And But we've also seen a large number of gun thefts knowing that more people have guns on the street, knowing that people have their concealed carry permits. Um, there are many locations that you can't take guns into, so people know those guns are being locked in cars, and uh, there's going to be a lot of, of theft. We've already seen that, a lot of stolen guns. So it's just a number, just a lot more guns on the street, and uh, people just seem to be a lot quicker and more apt to use those weapons.
1: And And so why is that? Why are we... So prone to be armed and dangerous
2: these days. You know, there's you can go on and on and on. There's a number of reasons. Um, um, there's a lot of speculation out there as to as to the increase in in, in crime. You know, I'll just give you some numbers, particularly for Columbus. Uh, this the, Columbus had seen the largest. Uh, Since we've been keeping track, since the uh, late 50s, early 60s, we've seen the largest number of homicides in our city back in 2017. It was 143 homicides, and that was a record, the largest we had ever seen. We never thought we would see anything like that again. And for the next couple of years, we didn't. In fact, in 2019, homicides were down to 104. But then came 2020. Then came the pandemic. Then came a change in the way that uh, you know we 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 live, in essence. And in 2020, uh, Columbus seen a 67 percent increase in homicides. We went from 104 to 175 homicides in 2020, and it was just incredible. And it's so sad to even say those numbers. Um, it's a it's a terrible thing to think about, and here we are now in 2021, and we're on pace to actually break that record of 175. And so there's a lot of speculation. You know, people talk about the coronavirus and all the other things that could be out there causing the uh, United States homicide rate to rise so so quickly. Um, but we really can't put our finger on what the issue is, what's causing um these these homicides. You know, again, uh, people were talking about the coronavirus and the impact it has had economically, the hardships, uh, the social disruptions, um, all of the things that the pandemic has, has, has created. But there's little, little evidence to, to uh, actually say that these economic downturns is what's causing the homicide increase. because when you go back to the depressions, in um, the recessions that we've seen in the 1980s, um, also in 2008 to 2010, you know, those were, were recessions and, and economic hardships. But, in, in fact, during those time periods, the homicide rates decreased. So I don't know that we can actually say that it's because of the, the economic hardships caused by the pandemic. But at the same time, a lot of people are pointing to that. Um, So it's going to be very difficult. That was a long answer to tell you. It's going to be very difficult to pick a specific reason as to why we're seeing such an increase in homicides and violent crime.
0: That's
1: stunning. Dr. I, you had a question? I did.
0: I am a person that's been mugged twice by two black men, Uh and I didn't get hurt but they came after my purse Mm -hmm. um, both times. And fortunately, I didn't have any money, so they ran off with a purse full of nothing. But there is also an increase, I think, in black-on-black crime right now. Now, this happened to me a long time ago, And I know I kind of look like someone that's easy to knock off. I get that. Um, But what are you saying or what do you feel or what is the indication or implication of the black on black crime?
2: Yeah, that that's always been, uh, you know, an interest to me as a as a as a black man and as a you know, former law enforcement officer, That that's always been an interest to me as, as to why is that? And, you know, even here in the city of Columbus, when we look at those um, record numbers of homicides and violent crime, when we look at these 171 plus homicides to date here in 2021, over 75% of those homicides are black people. Um, and in most cases, the, the suspects are also uh, of the same race. Generally, what we see is When it comes to homicide, it's basically um, white on white, Asian on Asian, Hispanic on Hispanic, black on black. And so, um, you know, one of the things that the experts, again, try to turn to is um, because of the the uh, economic hardships, the uh, social and economically disadvantaged locations where a lot of these are Mm -hmm. occurring, but this black-on-black crime has always been an issue that has been an interest to me. And I think a lot of it you know, goes right back to, you know, and I'm kind of from the old school myself, but I think a lot of it goes right back to um, starting out at home. You know? At home, whether it's a single parent home or you know, two parents in the home, it starts at home. Um, it starts with getting these young people the discipline that needs to occur. It starts with getting these young people into church and being raised in the right way, and then again the old cliche: it takes a it takes a, a village. Um, I really believe that, and I think you know, getting some programs and getting these people, um, you know, help that they need, the education, the discipline, the support, and the love at home, actually is is, is the start.
0: Well, they took my jewelry, mm-hmm. um, and I had to. I I tried to justify what happened and I think it would might have been drug related
2: a lot of it is Uh, a lot of it is uh, in fact the uh, City of Columbus Police Department and uh, the new chief and deputy chief they just talked about that a large percentage of these homicides that have been occurring um, have been a uh, a result of about 17 different gangs here in the City of Columbus Um, and a lot of it has been juveniles you know, young people committing these crimes. So one of the things that uh, we tell victims, if you will, as police officers, um, never ever fight when it comes to your possessions. In most cases, if if, uh, if someone is trying to just snatch your purse or your jewelry, that's pretty much all they want. They typically are not going to commit homicide or hurt you. So um, we tell people, you know, you can always get possessions back. We can always go find or buy, you know, those possessions. But your life and your your um, your life and your liberty is more important than than your possessions. So, if you're ever in that type of situation, give them what they want, and then try to identify them as best you can, so that we can work with the police to identify and apprehend these individuals.
0: Yeah, in both of the cases, um, they just took my purse and kept running. Um, and they were both young people. Um, but um, I just wondered what as a community can we do about this situation in the black community? What what can we as uh, concerned citizens do about it?
2: Well, I can tell you that the uh, police department can't do it by themselves. And so partnerships are critical. Um, so i i did see where the city um, has started a new a bunch of new initiatives Um, and you know thankfully the city has put some money behind these initiatives but that money does need to be spread throughout the community but there's a lot of new initiatives that are going on right now Um, i don't know a lot about them but you know there's the safe neighborhoods the safe street streets initiatives Uh, there's a one called End of Violence, End the Violence and Growing Up. These are all initiatives that the city is doing, but these initiatives are not going to work without the community's support. So we need our leadership within the black community. We need our, our ministers. We need our parents. We need our black men and our black women to, to get involved and to uh, work with the city to try to bring uh, an end to this violence. You know, one of the things I've always said is if we can keep the young people busy, the more time that we're keeping them busy, the less time they have to be out to, um, you know, be up to no good, if you will.
1: Okay. okay. And so, Dr. I, for, for those listeners who do tune into our show regularly, and by the way, we're going to be launching soon a website so you can go back and listen to past episodes. You might recall that we had groups who were on neighborhood groups talking about what they're doing. In the sometimes at neighborhood groups to stand up what's going on in your community I will say that the person who attempted to break into my home was a white male and I will say it's unfortunate that so many people had to ask me was he black or white given what we hear about black on black crime and I think what Cliff has said um, what I've been told is that it's proximity and I think that's what he's saying when you hear about white on white and and whatever that whatever neighborhood you're part of whoever you're close to is probably who you're more than likely to stake out. Would that be accurate or not, Cliff?
2: That would be accurate, yes it would.
0: We have to take a break here um, and we will be coming back to talk about um, private uh, citizen safety in just a few moments, On the Window. Dr. Joe, are you there? We're talking about safety. Yes, I am okay. Go right ahead. Right.
1: We're talking about safety on the window. We're talking to Clifton Spinner, longtime law enforcement and safety professional, about what to do to keep yourself safe. And we talked just a bit about safety in the home. I would just add to what you talked about, Cliff, regarding safety on the street. If somebody wants your stuff, give up your stuff. That's what they told us when we had a home invasion, that chances are the person, if they had been able to get into the home, would have come in, taken a few objects that were laying around, like a laptop, maybe some jewelry, and they would have probably left as quickly as possible, which might be why they tried to break in during the day when they thought no one would be there.
2: That's correct. That's correct. Um, Most of the people that are out committing these types of crimes, it's pretty much um, they're looking for things that they can flip and get quick money for.
1: Okay, so let's talk about other aspects of someone's lives, and then we'll transition into talking about cybersecurity. But let's say you talk about home security systems, and one thing that we were advised to do was to the old neighborhood block watches, which I guess still exists, but exists now largely online. Uh-huh. So we're part of a group, and all the time people are showing pictures of someone walking around at night checking cars. What should we do about that?
2: Yeah, obviously. Um keep your vehicle locked at all times you know you never want to leave uh, personal items in plain view or plain sight um, again i mentioned earlier about weapons and the number of uh, weapons that have been stolen so never leave weapons in vehicles particularly overnight but primarily you just want to keep your vehicles locked you want to keep your vehicles uh, you don't want to keep personal items in your vehicles and you also want to make sure that you're parking in a well lit area. So if you're in your driveway or near your home, hopefully you have uh, exterior lighting. Um, And again, that technology comes into play where you have exterior cameras. And with today's technology, a lot of these cameras will notify you via text message or email when there's motion picked up. There's also motion lights. So there's a lot of technology that you can utilize to, to keep your vehicle and your home safe.
1: And so, since we're talking about cars, I'm hearing more about carjackings. Yes. What you know about that?
2: Yeah, same thing. Um, we're seeing a lot of that here in Columbus, particularly with these young people. Um, they're carjacking people at gas stations, at grocery stores. Uh, we've seen that happening quite a bit. So you really don't have that issue as much when you're actually moving and you're you're on the you know the byways the the freeways the, the roadways is pretty much just when you're stopped when you're getting in and out of your vehicle when you're pumping gas when you're shopping that's where we're seeing a lot of this occur and so one of the things that we're we would recommend is that you always be aware of your surroundings you should constantly be aware of your surroundings when you're in your vehicle you should have your vehicle locked and windows up if possible that's easy now since we're into the winter months here or going into the winter months but uh, constantly Be aware of your surroundings, keep your vehicle locked. Make sure that you are cautious when you're exiting and entering your vehicle, Uh, checking the rear of your vehicle and the interior of your vehicle after it's been parked for some time prior to getting into the vehicle. And then just making sure that there's people, uh, that there's no one walking toward you or coming up towards you to ask questions when you're getting in and out of your vehicle. If you see that, simply lock the vehicle with the remote control and keep walking, keep moving away from the
1: vehicle. And and to my son and everyone else who needs to hear this, please, when you get in your car, make locking your door just as automatic as putting on your seatbelt. Now, lock your door. And then for me, a caution people have been talking to me about going back to gas stations, I often leave my purse on the passenger side while I get out to pump gas. I've heard that's a bad idea.
2: That's a bad idea. Um, A lot of people actually, that's one of the biggest areas where we're seeing thefts. People will get out of their vehicle, they'll start pumping gas, and they leave their vehicle unlocked. They leave cell phones, they leave purses, they leave valuables inside the vehicle. And so uh, these people are very, uh, very slick. They're able to sneak up on the side of the vehicle, uh, open up your door, and remove your purse or your valuables while you're pumping gas, and you never know that it happened. So even when you're pumping gas, lock your vehicle. Don't leave items in plain sight.
1: If we're in an accident, we used to say, get out of the car and exchange information. What if you're in an accident,
2: You call. Biggest advice I give to people when, when, when you're involved in an accident or, or even um, when you have car trouble, you're broken down, contact the local police department. You want to contact the police department as soon as possible and, and get the police department there. Um, you know, a lot of times with accidents, it's not so much... Uh, Someone trying to take advantage of you, but in many cases it's road rage or it's someone who now becomes extremely upset because you Have been involved in an accident whether you're at fault or not Uh, a lot of fights and a lot of violence and and a lot of homicides We've seen a lot of shootings as a result of car accidents So you want to make that phone call to the police department as soon as possible that you're involved in an accident Obviously when you're involved in an accident you're required by law to exchange information So ultimately you're gonna have to have contact possibly with the person that you've been involved in the crash with but definitely contact the local authorities as soon as possible
1: and for those of you listening who might be prone to fits of road rage yourself I would assume it's rarely worth it
2: that's correct rarely worth it Um, you definitely don't want to allow someone else to control your reactions or your emotions so you know, maintain control of your emotions and uh, don't get yourself involved in that type of situation. We've seen situations where people have been cut off or ran off the road and they blow the horn and they give that famous one finger salute. And then the next thing we know, the person that they've been involved in this road rage incident with pulls out a gun and starts shooting. So that's definitely something that you want to just keep it moving, so to speak, and not get yourself involved in any type of road rage
1: incidents. And Cliff, you you mentioned a gun in your car. We talked earlier about a gun in your home. If you choose to have a gun, and you cautioned us before that you have to know yourself and your own skills and abilities before you make that decision, but when do you have to have a license, a concealed and carry license? So
2: you only have to have that license if you're gonna take that gun out of your home and carry it uh, while you're out and about. You don't need a a license um, to possess firearms in your home. You're entitled to protect your home, um, and so you don't need a license for the home, but only if you're going to take that weapon out and drive around or walk around with it. So, in Ohio, to conceal a a handgun, you have to have a concealed carry permit.
1: Now, if you have that permit, as we understand it, um, you can be stopped for any number of reasons by law enforcement. But if you have a conceal and carry permit, you're typically asked to show the weapon. Can you talk to us about that?
2: Well, in most cases, I think law enforcement has become a lot more comfortable, if you will, now with the concealed carry because it's been around for quite some time. Um, So it's not like when it first started. For the most part, they're just going to verify that Uh, you do have the license or the permit to carry that weapon. Um, They're gonna make sure you don't have any um, felony background or anything of that nature, any warrants for your arrest. And they're just gonna make sure that you are abiding by uh, by the law and that you notify the law enforcement authority that you have the weapon and that you are a permit carrier. Typically, when we run the registration, that comes up on the registration anyway, so the officer in most cases is going to know if you're the registered owner of the vehicle and you have the permit, they're going to know that as they walk up anyway.
1: And one more question about autos, Cliff, and then I'm going to shift topic somewhat because you remember I talked to you about a cybersecurity issue too. Around the time that I came to you about safety in my neighborhood and safety in my home, another incident had happened where there was a car that had been reported following people. And I was advised if you see someone who you believe is following you, not to necessarily head home what if you suspect someone is behind you and and they are trailing you
2: that that's an easy one right there and and i've had a situation like that before if you believe that someone is following you and you're out and you're driving your vehicle as well drive directly to the nearest police department Um, drive directly to the nearest police department if you're not near a police department try to drive to a very populated area Uh, maybe a hospital, maybe some place where you know multiple people will be in and out. Um, You definitely uh, don't want to stop and engage with this individual, and you definitely don't want to necessarily go directly to your home, your safe place. So I would highly recommend that you call the police department and that you head toward the police department.
1: And some of these are, are old school tips, if you will. I can believe my parents, I can remember my parents decades ago, cautioning me about some of these same things so some of the old rules still apply but now we're in a, a brand new world if you will somewhat of a violence culture that we talked about but we're now in this world of technology and cybersecurity so Cliff I'm gonna ask you to, to to tell people what you told me when I said how could someone possibly get my phone number and text me and then dr. I I'm gonna ask you to introduce our cybersecurity expert as well. okay
2: well in today's society Um, Again, technology, there's so much technology out there and so many public records readily available. And nowadays you can just Google an individual and find out everything about them, including the people that they live with, whether they're married, single, you can find out their address, you can even find out their yearly income through technology nowadays. So uh, in most cases, if someone that you have never had contact with uh, contacts you and tells you that they know you or in your situation that we spoke about, it's primarily because they've, they've Googled you and maybe they've been stalking you or maybe they've been interested in trying to get close with you um, and they go about it in the wrong manner. And um, so there's a lot of that cyber issues out there. And Ben, that you do have a cybersecurity expert in the building, I would definitely defer to to uh, Mr. Robinson, but there is so much readily available information, and in most cases, that's how the individual is getting it, and they're just putting the you know the the uh, the steps together to to literally identify you and act like they know you.
1: Including information that we ourselves put online unnecessarily.
2: That's correct. And a lot of information that's tracked from you as you, purchase homes as you purchase vehicles as you shop and utilize credit cards and everything else a lot of that data is being collected um, and it's readily available
0: well I think that's a great transition to our cyber expert Um, I have mr. Chester L Robinson sitting on my right and and thank you so much uh, for your information Clifton Um, He is the owner of BITS, Business Information Technology Services. And he is an IT website technology guru. Um, And I'm just gonna start out by talking about my my new fear of technology giants, um, like Apple, like Microsoft like these huge organizations that control information and, and sometimes I believe that controlling information is more powerful than taking your money. Because when they have your information, they can take your money and everything else that you have. So as that as an introduction, I'm going to ask uh, Chester Robinson, why did you get into this business? How did that happen?
3: Uh, well, thank you very much, um, and a pleasure to be here. Uh, one of the things that really started me um, really getting into uh, this field was just basically understanding um, my whole thing about putting things together. Um you know, as a child, I always liked to tinker with stuff, and, and my parents actually got me a computer, and then I started going from there. Um, but one of the things that I thought was very interesting was how we as um, technologists uh, start to uh, put things together, be innovative, and start designing applications and programs and, and things to make the world better. But we also have um, folks that are out there that take this technology and do it for worse, and, you know, do uh, just do bad things for it. So one of the questions that uh, was po- um, kind of raised to me was our privacy. What do we have out there that um, exposes us, right? And uh, one of the questions were, uh, you know, is there, can we have privacy on the internet? And my answer is no. The reason why I say that is because every place that we visit on the net has some form of way of tracking that we've been to a particular site um, that we have um, certain things that we access on the site and so forth. So uh, again, our privacy, our our ability to be anonymous on the web is pretty much non-existent. okay There are tools and there are ways that you can make yourself anonymous, but overall we're asking um, you know when we visit sites and so forth they're asking us questions um, our our hosting um, or internet service providers, they also track us as well. So again, there's just a lot of things that you just have to uh, take in consideration on that.
0: So when you apply for a loan, or you give some information about your social security number to let's say a government agency or, or another entity online, are you saying that that is also threatened? That information uh,
3: that uh, an organization is collecting, or so they may be performing some services for you or, or, or you're, like you said, applying for a loan or something like that, companies today have security measures in place. Um, so those applications or those online forms are secure. They're usually encrypted. So when you're doing this communication back and forth with them, um, you could be readily assured that that's pretty much safe. Now. When it comes to uh, data that's being uh, exposed, some of these large organizations, uh, and there's been um, uh, actually some research uh, has shown that um, cybersecurity threats have increased um, during the pandemic up to, I believe it's 20 to 25%, um, that companies uh, are getting attacked. Uh, you know, every time uh, a A um, cyber attack happens they're trying to collect that information right so what we need to do uh, from a corporate perspective is you know tighten down our security that's when you uh, have firewalls put in place uh, things that will make sure that um, the organization is as safe as possible but again those bad actors as we call them in in the industry are always using technology as well uh, to get to those things.
0: We have to take a break, but I have one more question regarding, you said firewalls. What is a firewall and the difference between the firewall, the antivirus application, and a VPN?
3: Okay, uh, firewall is basically a, it could be a software or a hardware device, and, and what usually the firewall does is just basically monitors traffic coming into a particular network. And if that network has, um, based on some rules and things that we put in place, uh, if it monitors and sees a lot of traffic coming through, it can usually easily block that traffic, throttle that traffic down, or um, basically disconnect you from uh, that traffic from ever coming into the, to the um, internet, um, mm-hmm. For internal to the business.
0: Okay, what about that antivirus? Antivirus software that
3: helps uh, you know prevent attacks on your system. So again, you're looking like um, uh, Norton antivirus is, is one example. Uh, you install that on your on your computer, and basically it monitors your internal system and basically prevents those types of attacks happening. And they and those software has some type of intelligence that says oh, this application is acting weird. I need to quarantine it. Mm -hmm. And that's what those uh, applications do. And VPN? VPN is Virtual Private Network. This is where um, a lot of, uh, I think, um, consumers uh, or actually your listeners could uh, benefit from this. So say uh, you go to Starbucks and they have free Wi-Fi for you. Um, There could be people there that have tools in place that I can actually monitor what you're doing on the internet. So virtual private networks actually creates a secure connection from your device to the internet in, in a sense where you're going. So it's a, almost like a peer-to-peer connection which is encrypted and that protects your traffic going back and forth say, if you're sitting at Starbucks, no one can see that information going back and forth. But
0: everybody doesn't have that, I assume.
3: No, no not everyone has okay.
0: that. Okay, all right. We're going to need to take a break from the window, and we will be right back and continue talking about uh, business and institutional safety. We're back talking about safety security privacy and we're with chester robinson and he's got uh um something to talk to us about that i don't think i've ever heard of so chester what's this about robin hood uh yes so um i usually get a report
3: from um uh some of the other sources that are out there and one of the reports had indicated that there's a, a a data security incident that just happened um and what it was is that um, some of you are familiar with um, uh, investment tools and things of that nature that allows you to you know, invest and, and, and get, um, make some money out there on the, uh, on the stock market. Well, um, Robinhood, 7 million of their customers, uh, had some type of expo- data exposure. And uh, basically what they're saying is that 5 million emails were exposed two million, uh, of their, um, clients or customers names, uh, their account details and small group of their clients have been exposed to that as well. Now they're not going to say exactly what pieces of information that was taken. Uh, there possibly could have been some information, um, that they got that could be very valuable to them or it's just standard information. So obviously there's, um, a risk to those customers, and they should be notified. Obviously, they, they probably are. Um, but again, when you're looking at um, protection and safety, it we try to do that internally for ourselves. Uh, organizations try to do that, but in some cases, um, there are security breaches that you know that happens, and this could be penetration um, attacks. Uh, what uh, what I usually uh, see uh, from this is that sometimes um, these attacks can be um, unintentional uh, because uh, of phishing um, uh, other types of um, uh, email types of attacks where a, a um, associate could click on an email thinking it's a legitimate email and um, actually execute some type of um, virus software uh, virus software that uh, attacks the internal of their system. Now, we all heard the term malware. Malware is just a generic term for all the different types of um, viruses or software viruses that are out there, right? So you have ransomware is kind of one of them. Um, you have Trojans, uh, those are kind of the older terms where they're um, actually applications that just sit in the background and just starts collecting information on, from your system. right? So again, these are some of the these are types of attacks uh, that will happen. Uh, there's penetration attacks where a uh, person who is uh, adamant about entering into your system, they just keep trying to poke holes into your system. Sometimes they can penetrate a firewall and get through that if, if your firewall is not being updated or, or being managed correctly. And then all they need to do is just send a a request and if it comes back okay, then they know that they got into your system.
0: Well, Chester, what about um, the current situation with Facebook and Facebook changing their name to Meta (laughs) and and, um, it seems like Uh, there's something that doesn't sound right about that whole operation now. And let me tell you all folks, Chester teaches at Franklin, he teaches at Columbus State, so he knows the current information on everything cyber. But when I saw that Facebook was changing directions, I knew that there was something ugly beneath the surface. Now what is it? Uh,
3: I I don't know if I could actually uh, answer that per se You're because I do guess. not. But I am not. Uh, you know, I I do not uh, understand the whole company infrastructure there, mm-hmm. uh, their philosophies and their and their business practices. So, um, only thing I can observe uh, from a distance is that um, from what I heard, we you know uh, watching uh, the whistleblower event um, from 60 Minutes and so forth, um, that, you know, their business practices may not be uh, as a par um, as we think they should be. Um, One of the other things uh, that you might want to take a look at is that how we as consumers of of that media, how we help um. Oh, what's the word I would like to say? Um, perpetuate this this activity, right? So we have to protect ourselves by actually maybe not sharing too much, maybe not sharing too much information out there. Um, one of the other things I think that uh, I think is a, a really good um, source of information. Uh, It's a documentary that uh, I've seen on Netflix called Social Dilemma. I think if everyone um, just kind of take a look at that uh, documentary, I think it'll shed some more light uh, on the situation. And people can come up with their own conclusions on why large organizations um, that you've mentioned may have certain types of practices that are in place. And I I think that would be my uh, best answer to that question. Uh, I I do think that that documentary is done very well. And it hits on uh, very uh, good key points, social key points that I think that uh, uh, your viewers uh, would, would like to see.
0: Well, let me ask you this question. I have a good friend whose money was taken out of his bank account unbeknownst to him and the bank called him and said that somebody has hacked into your account and we are going to replace the money, but they haven't really explained how it happened. With I mean, you have to have an account number to get into a bank account. You have to have a name. You have to know, you know where the money is in the cycle. As a former banker, I know that you just can't go in and take somebody's money out of an account. How did that happen? Well, there's several ways that this can
3: happen. Um, Number one, doing um, maybe this person done some research on that particular person, right? Um,
0: Somebody that
3: works at the bank. It doesn't have to be somebody that works at a bank. It could be uh, just a random bad actor. I'm going to say so. Uh, this type of uh, of person that is uh, what they try to do is impersonate you basically uh, uh, trying to do identity theft so once they get that process um and everyone's a target even i was a target <laughs> um and i'm in this field and you know <laughs> and things happened? happen um basically uh i know how i protect my information but Probably my information has been part of, like, one of these security breaches, right? So this person or group or organization um, gets this information and basically um, tries to uh, file a claim, right? And as they file the claim, this triggers off an event that notifies all the, the um, places that I've worked at. And then they identify uh, by reaching out to me and saying, hey, have you filed a claim for blah, blah, blah? And I said, no, well, why would I do that? You know. Um, they said, well, it appears that a, a state organization is asking uh, us about um, filing for, say, uh, some unemployment benefits. And I'm sitting up there going, well, I'm working. <laughs> why, why would I file for unemployment mm-hmm. benefits? and as i walked the, went through this process um my uh, some uh, my other two employers have reached out to me and and, and say well i said how did they get this information well they say well they have everything they filled out everything about you um so they actually have my social security number right so i went through a process and i think uh that cliff will probably state to this this is what you need to do to make sure that you're safe. Number 1, and we'll get back to your other uh, And this is about history. identity theft. This is about identity okay. theft. So, um, number 1 thing that you need to do is find out where the thing, where this incident occurred. After finding that out, do fill out a police report. Go your local to police department, fill out a police report, show them if you have records of that information being Um, uh, compromised, Uh, please block out any of that information because it is gonna probably be public record, Um, and and file that report. Once you file that report, then you also may wanna reach out to the Attorney General, and they're gonna actually give you step-by-step process of how to handle identity theft. And then once you get through that process, then you will go to the federal level, and they also have a step-by-step process of identity theft and being uh, and reporting all of this. Once you've done that, make sure you contact your credit bureaus, mm-hmm. right? Usually, you can contact one, and they will disseminate an alert to all the other major credit um, credit uh, um, excuse me <laughs> credit bureaus, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, that information is uh, right readily activated when somebody else tries to um, do something else with your um, identity and you get notified, because they're not gonna know everything about you, but they will probably have most of the current information about you. So, as we see at, with this case, this could be, uh, if we look at the Robin Hood um, uh, breach, um, they could have all that information to do something similar to that. Now, depending on how much the information they got from, from that breach, they could actually say, okay, let me create an account. Let me try this bank. Let me see if this person um, um, has funds somewhere else, right? This is, this is when it becomes very important to, to establish um, a active monitoring on your credit report. So again, they can start looking at that. Uh, you'll be notified if something uh, irregular happens to your credit report or any type of form access to your accounts and so forth um, will happen. Now, once they get that information, they'll just start playing around with it, massaging it, looking at and trying to make sure where they can attack next. So as they have your identity, they'll try to figure out, you know, where they need to go from that standpoint.
0: Well, I wanna uh, mention what happened to me just recently with Apple. And i want to start at the end and go back forward if you have secret codes and passwords write them down somewhere and hide them because if you get confused and you get them mixed up apple can shut you down for two weeks and will not let you access your accounts that happened to me and i've heard other people that said i got i gave them the wrong code And sometimes we use codes that are familiar to us but come up with something that's only yours and hide it somewhere because if you don't put in the right code you can be out of commission I think we are almost out of time Uh, Dr. Joe you got anything else you want to put on the table yes I
1: do I have a special appeal for seniors since I guess I am one now so um, please remember that Seniors are uh, very vulnerable and very susceptible to, um, to wrongdoers. And so we are a generation that is very independent as we age and very self-sufficient. And there are seniors who like to live alone and go places alone. But please be sure that, that they hear all of these security tips and that if you know someone, not only a senior, but if you know anyone, please check in on them. Thank Please you. Be sure that Thank someone you. hears from someone else every day. Please be sure that if you live alone, there's someone you trust who has a key and a garage door opener and access to your home.
0: Great, great. Um, if you need website development or cybersecurity uh, issues resolved... Um, Please contact Chester at BITS. How can they get in touch with you?
3: Uh, Yes, uh, they can uh, get in touch with me Uh, again. uh, The company is BITS, Business Information Technology Services. Uh, My uh, company phone number, area code 614-500-3392.
0: Folks, use it. I mean, we don't know what we don't know these days. And thank you, Clifton. Uh, vice president from Franklin University Security we're glad you're here and we appreciate all the information Dr. Joe have a good day
1: everybody and take care of each other I talked about seniors don't forget the other end of the spectrum our kids but everybody please take care of everyone else and yourself
0: especially during the holiday season because there's a lot of bad actors as Chester said Bad actors walking around us. So everyone enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we'll talk to you next week on The Window.